0: Welcome to a special edition of the Innovation Agenda with the California Technology Council, where we take a close look at the relationship between government and the climate that supports innovation and entrepreneurship.
1: This episode of the Innovation Agenda is brought to you by £71, providing shipping audits and refunds for California Technology Council members. For more information, visit californiatechnology.org slash member benefits. this episode of The Innovation Agenda, we're speaking with Dr. Vince Bertram, Chief Executive of Project Lead the Way. Vince, thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks, Matt. It's a pleasure to be with you. So, Dr., Project Lead the Way spends its time working on STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math education across the country. Uh, Can you give us a sense of what the national challenge is that we're faced with? Yeah, sure. As we look across the country, you know, the issues
0: that are happening in California are pretty consistent across the nation, in which we just have a deficit of students interested in and pursuing STEM-related careers, and primarily because our students are not prepared in K-12 education. We look across the country. In 2013, as part of the National Assessment for Educational Progress, only 34% of our fourth graders were proficient in math. Only 27% were proficient in 8th grade and then 26% in 12th grade. In science, the numbers are similar. So what we're finding is that with our students' performance, we just don't have the kind of inspiration necessary and the kind of skill development happening in early grades to set these students on the path for prosperity in their careers. And as a result, we're seeing a significant skills gap across the country. We're also seeing the opportunity for the growth in STEM-related careers. Today we have about 7.4 million STEM-related career or jobs, and we're expecting that to grow by 1.2 million over the next couple of years. So there's enormous opportunity, enormous upside, but a great threat to our economy unless we correct this with our
1: children in K-12 education. So Vince, can you Tell us a little bit comparatively, how does that shape up around the world and and what's the comparative risk that we've maybe missed a generation here uh, versus other countries that are investing better than we are in in science and math education? Well,
0: when you look at other
1: countries, I mean,
0: based on the Organization for Economic Cooperation Mm -hmm. Development, often referred to as OECD, you know, we test our Mm -hmm. students um, globally with PISA or the program for international student assessment in 2012 versus 34 OECD nations we were 27th in math and 20th in science and the reality is we just don't devote the kind of attention necessary to math and sciences as many other countries when you look at you know asian countries and the place around around the world, there's just tremendous emphasis on math and science and education in general. The culture there is just different in terms of expectations. People see education as the pathway to prosperity. We have the teachers that are viewed as and um, and really viewed in a very positive way in those countries. and we have allowed that to slip in the United States, and unless there's this resurgence and and we start to understand that what's a threat is not just what's happening today, but our future then we're going to continue to fall behind. Countries like China, you know, where we, we're seeing significant growth, and other countries where innovation is becoming much more part of their economy, they're growing companies, and they're recruiting, and able to recruit great talent from the universities. Or we do have people coming here to be trained and going back to their countries and helping build great companies. And I think that is a threat to
1: us, and we have to do something about it as a nation. So before we turn our attention to your perspective on California, just about everybody's back to school by now. You spent your summer, quote, on the road with Vince. Can you tell us about your adventures this summer? Yeah, sure. And thanks for asking. I spend a lot of time on the road,
0: and it's really important, you know, for us to be in classrooms across the country. We attend a lot of state conferences this summer. I spent a lot. Of time time in our teacher training sessions happening. You know, I was in California at the University of San Diego. I was at um, Cal State Chico, and I visited schools in Downey, California, where they're doing a great job of implementing K-12 Project with the Way programs across the district. I was also, I spent a lot of time in Delaware, New York, and North Carolina, Montana. I was just all over the country, and, and I just have a great time, you know, visiting our teachers, learning more about their experience and what we can do to improve our program, and ensuring that we can continue to inspire and engage students across America.
1: So, Vince, let's uh, turn our eyes to California for a minute. And, and any time we see measurements come out or the kind of metrics and benchmarks that, uh, that show us how California students are doing, there's uh, a reminder that we've fallen from basically first in the country in the 1970s to a, a woeful spot now. Our, our most recent uh, uh, Department of Education report card points out that in eighth grade math, California ranks 44th, and in eighth grade science, we rank 48th. Uh, There's obviously no single reason for this, but uh, how is Project Lead the Way focusing on solutions to help address these challenges?
0: Well, we're very proud of the work that's happening in California, and we have great affiliates there. We have you know, a great emphasis on expanding Project Lead the Way across the country as more of an economic development driver and and we're focusing on workforce development. Those are two areas. But at the same time we're seeing tremendous growth across the state and Project Lead the Way. And for us it's really looking at, you know, what are the real outcomes that we're trying to achieve and the kind of skills that students must have to compete in this global economy. And we really focus on problem solving, critical thinking, collaboration, communication skills. While students have to know math and science, they also have to be able to apply it. And one of the great reasons, I believe, that we've seen a decline over the years is a greater emphasis on on content and less on application. Our students just don't know why what they're learning today is relevant to the real world. And I think the more that we can help them understand, you know, how science works, how things work, how things are made, and how math and science apply to these things, the better off we're going to be. And it's the lack of relevancy that makes learning for many students um, uninspiring and that's what we're trying to reverse and we're getting great results we're seeing as an organization you know this year we're going to be in over 8,000 schools across the country and we're again tremendous growth in California now well over a thousand schools there you know so we're just again very excited about what's happening and we're starting to see again see great results
1: from these students that are going on to higher education and on to the workplace so Vince, it's, it's possibly uh, a sad irony that here in California we've got, of course, the great headquarters of the technology industry and the, the roots of the uh, biotechnology industry that have changed the world, uh, and yet here we are uh, performing so uh, far behind. Uh, how have uh, you know, exciting developments in industries like biotech uh, affected uh, the way that you can approach science for, uh, for K-12 to students uh, in this current generation?
0: Well, no, that's a great question. I think one... Part of Project Lead the Way is we're very nimble, and we really try to address the needs of of growing industries, emerging industries. So when you look at biotech and, and computing, and those areas are two major growth areas for Project Lead the Way. You know, so we now have three K-12 pathways, engineering, biomedical science, as well as computer science. And you know, these courses are designed to help students develop the skill sets that are in high demand. You know, and so that's where, how we're addressing it. It's also, we have companies you know, like Chevron and Lockheed Martin, General Motors, Toyota, many other companies across the country, Autodesk, companies that are making major investments in Project with the Way because they see a great opportunity to help build this STEM skilled
1: workforce. Outstanding. Uh, lots of great California companies you just mentioned there, Vince. We'll have to make sure we let them know that they're going to come up in this episode. Yes,
0: and and there are others that, you know, we've really enjoyed, you know, partnering with, and and yeah, obviously a lot of great companies in California, but we're getting great support out of the state, and we are greatly appreciative of this, and it's also what we believe can be a model for the rest of the country in terms of the investment, looking at, you know, career pathways, and really connecting K-12 beyond uh, our schools, and too often, you know, students are learning, or they believe they're learning math to take a test, or to um, because they have to prepare for the next school year. But in reality, they're learning mathematics because they need to solve problems in the in the real world. And when companies and higher education are all partnering in a way to connect with K twelve, we create a seamless pipeline. We think we have a, a chance to fundamentally change the course for our students, and as a result, change the course
1: for America and our economy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so obviously, Vince, your your book, uh, One Nation Undertaught goes into great detail on these solutions. Can you kind of walk our listeners up to the front of your book and then m- maybe talk to us a little bit about the blueprint that's in it? Sure.
0: You know, first, I we spend time talking about you know, failing ourselves, you know, that we can no longer continue to blame everyone else for our problems or or dismiss this um, problem confronting our nation. The second is really talk. Second chapter is talking about the American economy today and tomorrow and how it's changed over time. And it, there have been significant shifts. If you go back, for instance, to the 1960s, say 1964, you know the largest employer in America was AT&T with about 780,000 employees, you know, over 250 billion dollars today's dollars in market cap. And you think of what's happened fast forward, you know, today our largest employer is Walmart and second's McDonald's and, and Yum Brands is of the top 5 and and now we have companies like Apple, Facebook, Google, Microsoft all with a combined market cap of about $1.8 trillion, yet about 280,000 employees combined, whereas the other three companies I mentioned, McDonald's, Yum! Brand, and, and Walmart have over 2 million employees combined. You know, so what we're finding is is a separation of, of these kind of career paths, those that have skills and those, and many who don't. And, the kind of career opportunities available to our students are significantly different than they were just a few years ago. So our students have to have skills if they're going to be successful and live this American dream that many people aspire to. So then we get into you know not only why we're failing, but how we fix it. And this book isn't about blaming people. It, the title is One Nation Under Taught, Solving America, Science, Technology, Engineering, Mathematics um, Crisis. So it's not about blame. It's about solutions. And then um, chapter four gets into why I'm convinced we can do this. And I'm absolutely convinced. I've seen it. And then we get into conclusions and how we can really provide a kind of K-12 education system that is, again, relevant for our students, that inspires them in math and science. And even for students who aren't going into
1: STEM-related careers, they have a skill set that will serve them well regardless of their careers. Vince, I'd like to ask you a couple of follow-ups there. You you mentioned this kind of separation that's occurring, and and, uh, one of the things that we see uh, as a condition in California, I wonder if you could tell us whether this is unique. There's a a 25 to 30% dropout rate in high school in the largest cities in California uh, up and down the state. Is this something uniquely occurring here, or are we seeing this across the whole country? No, it's, it's happen, happening across the country. You know what's interesting is we have the highest
0: graduation rate today that we ever have had in American public education history. You know, we, we have, for the first time, over 80% of our students graduate from high school, and I would suggest it's still not enough, that a high school diploma is not enough for our students. And students who are dropping out are destined for a lifetime of poverty. And what we find are many urban districts, large districts, where dropout rates are 25, 30, 40 percent. These students are headed for poverty, and unless we correct this, um, we have a a major problem in, in these in our major cities, and as a result, our overall economy. But. You know, the thing we have to do is provide safe learning environments for our students, but we have to make learning relevant. Students can't are, are not going to be inspired to go to school simply to take a collection of courses over time. And I think that's what we try to do in Project the way is we bring that relevancy to learning. It's also why we've created K-12 Pathways, so the students are inspired very early. Here's what we know about math and science. Students make decisions whether they're good in math and science as early as second grade. If they get turned off these subjects, the likelihood of them being successful um, in later grades is highly, highly um, diminished. So we, again, we have to get to them early and make learning relevant. I can't emphasize that enough, the relevancy of learning. You know, we have students that have no idea. They, they carry around smartphones, but they have no idea how the technology works or why learning mathematics is relevant to, to shopping for you know, a, an appliance, a device, a car, a home. You know, and the things that matter most to them, we're just not teaching them. Let alone understanding how your mobile app actually works. They need to know how it works. They need to know, you know, we'll spend time in schools, you know, building clay volcanoes, doing leaf collections. You know, while those things may be great, the students don't see the relevancy of those things. You know, but they're really interested in, you know, in the apps and the technology. And if we can help them understand how math and science apply to those things, then I think we get them hooked.
1: So Vince, uh in your experience, do you think that policymakers are seeing the same problem that we're talking about here in the, in the potential for a national shortfall of millions of STEM-related careers? I think there's a lot of great conversations
0: happening. And I think there are some places that are really taking action. You know, you look at California and the Career Pathways Trust, I mean, significant resources put into building those pathways. And I think it's not just from a policy perspective, but at a district level, we also have to have district leaders making a commitment to creating these pathways and understanding that this is really about students careers and oftentimes in education we don't like having that conversation. We don't believe that the purpose of K-12 education is to prepare students for careers and I just absolutely believe it is. I believe that you know, every parent wants their child to have a great career. They want them to have great opportunities. The last thing they want is for them to live at home for the next 25 years. They want them to have a great opportunity, and they, we do that through education. And more, the more that we can help students understand that this is the connection to a great career, more likely it is that we will have, they will be successful. But back to the point around policymakers and so forth, there's been a lot of discussion on Capitol Hill and state legislatures across the country. I think people are interested in it, but also there's this dynamic of political expediency. You know, what can we do now, you know, to affect um, high school, for instance? And I don't think that's the fix. I don't think it's offering a computer science course in high school is going to generate more computer scientists or more students going into computer science. I really believe it's more of a K-12 a systemic approach so the students have um, the kind of competency necessary to take high school AP computer science courses. You know, for me, it's, it's like thinking of athletics or in music. I mean, it would be... Uh, you know, Unimaginable for us to have football and start it at grade 11 in high school. You know, we start students in football and athletics in some cases, you know, out of the womb, it seems like. You know, was, you know, they, you know, children are at a very early age or on soccer fields, and we make those kind of investments in them, and the likelihood of them continuing on to high school are much greater or playing a musical instrument. You know, we don't start them in high school. We start them early so they build a skill set. But then we get into things like computer science, something so essential to our economy, and we offer a high school class in computer science, and we believe that's going to be the solution. And I don't believe it is. And that's why we've also partnered with the college board to align advanced placement courses with Projectly the Way so that we can get students taking both the applied and, and the other core content areas
1: throughout their high school experience. If you will, just let me follow that up with you for a second, because one of the conversations that we as tech councils across the country get engaged in from time to time is the question of H-1B visas for the tech industry. And interestingly, I think that same short-term thinking might be coming into this conversation that, uh, you know, we get involved in a conversation with policymakers about a one-year version of the quota that might lift it for, you know, a a temporary period, or the perspective that policymakers sometimes have, which is that this is only a... a wage game for large cap companies when, in fact, we're faced with a long-term gap between the number of jobs we're trying to create as advanced industries, innovative industries, and the number of graduates that we're producing in the United States. Uh, Do you think that message is getting heard clearly enough? Uh, In fact, I write about H-1B visas in One Nation Under Taught.
0: you know the idea that we believe that we're, we'll will compete with imported talent i think is is clearly short-sighted you know if we're going to compete as a nation we have to de- we have to develop talent here and you know unfortunately and actually i mean the fortunate part is the talent is here you know the numbers are here we just have to inspire them when you look across the nation from 19 let's say from 1985 to you know, 2012, the number of bachelor degrees increased from 987,000 to 1.8 million. Right, that's the number of bachelor degrees. But in engineering. During that same period, we grew from 77,000 to 81,000, and computer and information sciences from 42,000 to 47,000. We barely, we actually by percentage went down considerably, and even by total numbers up very slightly, but then you get into visual and performing arts from 37,000 to 96,000 bachelor degrees. I mean, those are, we have students earning more degrees, but not necessary degrees that are in highest demand, and that's why we have a persistent unemployment rate. It's why we have underemployment that is continues to, to haunt many people with degrees. They have degrees, but they can't find work in those fields, and that's because in
1: many cases they're getting degrees that are in high demand. These are all haunting data points from rising above the gathering storm, right, in many ways. Sure, absolutely. So, obviously, Project Lead the Way is at the tip of the spear in solutions. Vince, what what kinds of things are are exciting to you about what you're seeing in the classroom right now? You know, what we're seeing, uh, literally hundreds of thousands
0: of students across the country that are understanding the relevancy of math and science. You know, our elementary program, we have modules that integrate into math and science. So students are doing activity, problem, project, based um, programs, they are uh, connecting math and science to a wide range of activities, and also helping them understand how STEM connects to everything. And oftentimes when we get into the STEM discussion, people want to challenge, you know, do we include the arts, do we include other things? that Project With the Way, we believe we should include everything. You know the STEM education really connects to virtually every field. So you get into you know things like things like the arts. You know when you know, people have to make software for computer graphics, we we create the technology, paint brushes, paint, canvas. All these things are manufactured. It's through technology that allows us, and engineering that allows us to have these type of of things. Then we get into you know, whether helping students understand, you know, how it connects to the performing arts, uh, you know, and acoustics and sound. These students are doing really exciting things, but all in activity, problem, project-based classroom. You know, so we see that in elementary and then in our middle school gateway program that students get into automation and robotics and, you know, you know, how science works, and then into our high school pathways in engineering, biomedical science, and computer science. So it's through these pathways, all, again, activity, problem, project-based, that students bring in you know, the relevancy. And what we're finding is that over 70% of our students that complete pathways and Project with the way go on the STEM-related fields in higher education. Those that go on, they're graduating at a very high rate. Their performance again against non PLW peers is significantly higher in both performance and persistence. So Because of those results, we see more and more universities recruiting Project Away students. We have parents demanding the program for their students, and now we have many companies, like I mentioned earlier, that are not only supporting the K-12 implementation of Project Away, but
1: they want to hire our students. Vince, are these programs the same or relatively uniform across the country, or do you pilot uh, differences in them from region to region? We... We have a standard curriculum that we provide with schools
0: across the country, So, but we also have flexibility in the way the courses are offered. Like in elementary, our launch program, you know, schools can adopt the modules that they want. So things that are regionally relevant. We also build a lot of activities. For instance, in California, you know we have activities that are used primarily there. And in, for instance, with alternative energy and the use of solar and so forth, that you know that have been developed in California. You know, Dwayne Crum and our state leader there, along with the San Diego State University. You know, San Jose State is one of our affiliate universities. San Diego, Cal State East Bay. Um, Cal State Chico, I mean, all these are great affiliates of Project We the way. And you know so we'll we'll see these activities built that will uh, complement our program, but bring a regional relevance to
1: students as well. Uh, uh, one more kind of curriculum question for you, which is at sure. what stage or what age uh, is sort of team teaching approach? Uh, let me ask that question again. Uh, Vince, one other question for you about sort of the, the curriculum or the approach that you're taking uh, and how it translates in the classroom. At what point is a, a, a kind of a team building or collaboration approach appropriate for students? Is that not necessarily appropriate until high school, or do you find that that's effective all the way down? I think it's effective very early. You know, so I was just in a school recently
0: in which the art teacher and the PLTW teacher were collaborating. You know, because they were trying to help students understand how STEM was connected to art. It was it was a brilliant exercise, but those were for third graders. You know, so we see it, we see many opportunities for connectivity across across the curriculum and across grade levels.
1: Uh, so Vince, we we love to give our guests the power of having a time machine. To go back and give themselves some advice or direction on the things that they're about to embark upon in their career. So if you yourself, Vince Bertram, were given this time machine, but you only had 10 seconds to tell your prior self something useful, what would that one thing be? Yeah, pursue this
0: with tremendous urgency and don't let up.
1: And our America depends on this and our children depend on this. And the other uh, question that we love to ask our guests is, uh, what's keeping you up at night? So uh, obviously, Vince, you've got uh, a set of issues that's of concern in every community uh, in, in many, uh, and in many industries and for the entire economy. What keeps you, Vince Bertram, up at night? That's a great question. I had a fifth grader
0: ask me this question in a classroom not too long ago, actually in Folsom, California. He asked me the same question. My response was, you do. You know, Every night I think about all the children across America that deserve a quality education, and we can't get to them fast enough. And partner with schools to make great learning opportunities available to them. So that's what keeps me up every night.
1: Vince Bertram, Chief Executive of Project Lead the Way, thank you for your time today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. The
0: Innovation Agenda is produced in Northern California by the California Technology Council.